0: Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast My name is Paul Ponte I am joined today by one third of the caution The link to the future Anton Voice. Yeah, that's me Hi Hi, how you doing? And um, if I go judging by your Twitter at one time Zach Morris hair enthusiast
1: <laughs> Yes, yes I was I, I bleached my hair like everyone else in 2001, right? Yeah
0: yeah, that was uh, I saw that and I was like, look at that is that is some Zach Morris curtains he's got going on right now.
1: That was the look. That was, that uh, was the thing.
0: Love it. So I've had a lot of uh your fellow Hood Slam people on here. Yeah. So we'll get into talking about that in a little bit, but first I want to go back to the beginning. I wanna know how you discovered the world of independent pro wrestling.
1: Sure. Um so you know, growing up, I I discovered professional wrestling uh through my dad who turned it on one day when i was super young and like i can curse on here right oh yeah okay so yeah my dad turns it on and he's like look at this stupid shit and i was like i love this stupid shit this is amazing. <laughs> um and like i didn't know a lot of people that liked wrestling and then like the further i went in school the more i kind of was like oh this guy likes wrestling hey let's talk some wrestling um And by the time I got to high school, like that's when wrestling blew up, like the late 90s, early 2000s, like, you know, NWO shirts were everywhere. Like you couldn't go to the mall without seeing some kind of wrestling shirt, which was crazy for someone that like had to find wrestling friends growing up.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. Like before we're about the same age, I'm I'm taking it. And I feel like if you liked wrestling when you were a kid, you were in a very small group window of people who were like other people at school would be like, ugh, look, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like and then all of a sudden everyone was Mr. DX it and NWO and everyone gave a shit.
1: Yeah, I remember at the Super Bowl, like they showed like the team and they're all like, yeah. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> this is insane. Um so so yeah, in high school, um a bunch of my friends got into wrestling and like a lot of kids that liked wrestling, uh, we started wrestling in our backyard and stuff like that. And once we graduated, um, we started hearing about, you know, some shows that were coming around. Like, uh, there was an APW show at a, at a fairground or something. And so we went and we, we were those obnoxious fans that you hate. (laughs) We were the guys that were just like pulling attention onto ourselves. Um, Just trying to like heckle the bad guys, but cheer the the faces and whatnot. uh, Not knowing the terminology at the time, Um, and uh, yeah, we then like found like brawl in Antioch, and we found uh, WCWA, which was in like Pleasant Hill or Concord, and just started going to those shows as often as we could find them, uh, especially the WCWA shows because they were like monthly, and we knew where they were every month. So it was just like, like brawl shows kind of moved around a little bit. Um, But yeah, WCWA, we knew where to go. And we started noticing like, oh, the brawl guys wrestle at WCWA shows, except they're like different characters. That's weird. Um, And then one of my buddies was like, hey, man, uh, there's a wrestling school. Like it just opened up. And that guy Hellfire that we've seen at shows like runs the school. And, you know, whether we can be wrestlers or not, like at least we should try it out to say that we tried to become professional wrestlers. And I was like, yeah, 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 let's do that. And so we signed up together and we went through a week of it. And then my buddy was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to be a wrestler because I am that codependent where I can't picture myself doing it by myself. And uh one of the other guys at the school, uh Sean Sims. Um you know, I I came in and was like, "Hey, yeah, my buddy's not coming back and I I don't think I'm going to be able to do this by myself." And he was like, "Nah, fuck that. You're my buddy now. Like we're going to do this together." And you know, from that day forward, it was uh it was Anton and Sean Sims like we were the two people that like were just trying to make the most out of being at training. Like we would go through training and training would stop and everyone would like be getting ready to go home. And me and Sims are getting back in the ring. Like, Oh, let me try this thing on you. Um, so without, without Sean Sims, there would not be an Anton Voorhees because I would have just given up when my, when my high school buddy gave up. So that's how I got into independent wrestling.
0: And what kind of training did you get? And this was at a devil mountain wrestling, right?
1: Devil mountain wrestling. Yeah. Um, it, it was good. It was interesting. Like now that I'm, You know, now that I've gone to like other, to see how other people train and like I've been a head trainer and whatnot, it's interesting to look back at my training and see how like laid back it really was. Like Hellfire, you know, was a big guy that you just like, you looked at him and you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to say no to this guy. I'll just do whatever he tells me. But now that I've like seen other trainings, I'm like, man, we had it really easy. Like Hellfire was pretty laid back and, he also did things differently than like anyone else I've ever met in wrestling. Like I still do hammer locks differently than I've ever seen anyone else do a hammer lock. I'm just like, Oh man, you guys, I don't do that shit. Mine's in here. Um, and he also like taught, um, he's like, yeah, you know, I did a little bit of Lucha. So I suplex on either side. And I was like, which side do most other people He's like left. I'm like, I'm just going to do left. (laughs) <laughs> but like Sim still does suplexes on the right. And everyone's just like, why do you do them that way? It's like, cause Hellfire told me to. Um, but other than that, like training was great. Um, Hellfire definitely like saw that I was fairly capable and started like challenging me and was just like, Hey man, uh, let me see if you can do this. And I'm like, sure. Let's see if I can do it. And like, so it was, it was really helpful there um, with like, not worrying about like a big guy trying to teach a little guy how to do something. Cause I was like 160 pounds at the time. Um, But he was like all about like, Hey man, can you do a, a moonsault? Hey, can you do a hurricane Rana? Hey, can you do this? Like double rotation head scissor? Like, I'm just like, I don't know. Let's find out. So <laughs> training for me went really well. Like I felt like I was consistently being pushed to be better. And that's also just how I am in general. It's just like, I don't, want to ever be complacent so training for me like was just a constant like be better than this you're good but be better than this you're you're not the shit but be better than this
0: (laughs) it's so interesting to hear like i love how trainers all have like little quirks of things that they the way they like to do things like when we talked to mike modest in the little documentary thing we have coming out later this year he mentioned um rick thompson training when he would train people at apw like everyone was doing the the crooked arm arm drag like everyone would have their arm locked like this and he's like hold on what happens if i if i straighten my arm Mm -hmm. and the guy just falls to the ground he goes this is stupid no one should do this so he only did the other style where you like hook him completely oh he's like he's like that's the only arm drags we do at the school we don't do the other one (laughs) he was like very specific and i was like that's so interesting that like some people like they gravitate and they pick very specific things and they're like no this is one thing This is how we do things. Oh,
1: definitely. Like I, I have pet peeves too, that like I used to teach to my students. Like I hate uh, when people just choke people. I'm like, have you ever seen a movie where someone chokes someone? It's because they're trying to murder them. Like, are you that (laughs) mad that you're trying to kill a person in the ring? Like don't fucking choke them unless you're trying to kill them. That's my philosophy.
0: Yeah. You know, it's wrestling. You, you should only do, like, you know, hold submissions, trying to poke out someone's eye for the WWE, whatever. Like, it's, but, you know. Yeah. It's,
1: you know, there, sim- there are standards
0: and practices. Yeah, very simple things. Uh, but so when you joined up, what style were you looking to emulate when you started? And then how did that kind of morph? And what did it end up being?
1: Um, here's, here's the thing that, like, I discovered is I, you know, I, I was super into like WCW cruiserweights, WWF, WWE, like spectacle and ECW just beat the shit out of each other and like wrestle your ass off. Um, and so I gravitated to just like finding the things that I really liked. And I guess if I were to try to compare it to like a wrestler, it'd be like, you know, Lance Storm didn't wrestle a specific style. Like, RVD like didn't wrestle a specific style. Like he was kind of a high flyer, but he didn't, I wouldn't classify RVD as like, he's just a high flyer. Like he did Mm -hmm. everything. He was doing gorilla press moonsaults and shit like that. Um, So I tried to kind of do that. And I picked and chose like, well, I want to do this move and I want to do this move. And then the more I started doing it, the more I realized like a lot of people had that philosophy. And I was just like, so I came across this very like indie current worker right now is just like yeah i want to do knee strikes and bicycle kicks and super kicks and like power bombs it's just like yeah so does everyone else like <laughs> so yeah. what i thought was going to be like my style ended up being like most people's style so i had to try to figure out how to make things my own and like how to individualize like how i did things so i could at least say like yeah we do the same moves but i do them differently i guess
0: um, yeah and, and what did you, what was that learning curve like as far as, you know, realizing that kind of thing where you think, okay, maybe I need to up my game a bit as far as the moves?
1: Sure. Um, I, I think that I, I started off in a good place because my first like rivalry was with Sims. And if you know who Sean Sims is, like he's way bigger than me. So it was nice to have a rivalry against someone where it was like, all right, I can't do like whatever I want to this guy. He's huge. Um, So I had to like really learn not only how to like work from underneath, but how to be a heel working from underneath and not have a crowd be like, I don't give a shit about what I'm watching. I don't want to see this guy succeed. He's small and I hate him. Yeah. So like, yeah, it it was definitely a learning curve of being like, Well, if I'm little, I want to give him, like, fucking Hurricane Ranas and shit. And, like, if a crowd pops off of that, I'm also not doing my job as a heel because I don't want them to be happy when I get offense in. So the learning curve was, like, a little difficult to figure out how to do flashy stuff and then get booed for it. Um, So I think that was, like, the biggest, like, learning curve for me. And then, you know, as... As you develop and, like, start to realize, like, how to tell a story, you also kind of realize, like, oh, I shouldn't just be doing moves. I need to, like, focus on, like, what I'm doing in between the moves first. And I think that was, like, when wrestling started finally, like, clicking for me of just, like, oh, who gives a shit about the moves? Everyone's doing moves. I got to worry about what happens in between the moves. And I I feel like that's when, like, that red light in my head just kind of went off and I was like, oh, shit, I get it eight years into the business i get it <laughs>
0: <laughs> i can see the matrix like i understand now <laughs> exactly and uh how did you end up uh hooking up with hood slam meeting dark Sheik, all that stuff okay so
1: the very first wrestling show i ever was booked on um was a show in mcminnville oregon uh the company was called BAW. I have no idea what BAW stood for or if it even stood for anything cuz it didn't say. It was just like BAW. Eh, whatever, you know, bah. <laughs> That's what it was just ba and we pretended they were letters. Um and at that show is where I first met Sheik. Sheik was on that show uh tagging with Alexis Derevko who was one of like the co-trainers at Devil Mountain. And, um, after that, like, Sheik started getting booked on all of the Devil Mountain shows. And so, yeah, Sheik and I, like, developed a a friendship really quick because I think Sheik kind of saw, like, I'm a little guy being trained by all big guys, so maybe I need to take this person under my wing and show him, like, hey, this is how we can do things. And, um... Sheik likes to say that she took me under her wing to be like, hey, you're good. Let's make sure you don't get better than me, <laughs> is, is how she likes to tell that story. Um, but yeah, we uh, we got hooked up. Uh, Derevko then made like a little stable in Devil Mountain called America's Most Hated, which was out at the same time as America's Most Wanted, so not the most original team. But it was him as a Russian, um, Sheik, and then me as a Canadian and we were just, you know, the foreign heels. And so, yeah, Sheik and I always had like a, a pretty close friendship while I was going through wrestling. And then once Hood Slam started, she asked me to be a part of it because it was it was mainly like a lot of the, the Devil Mountain crew was the Hood Slam crew. And at the time, I, I wasn't straight edge because I didn't like saying I'm straight edge. But I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. And I'm very introverted. So the idea of going to like a big wrestling party where people were drinking and smoking, I was like, this sounds like an anxiety attack. I don't <laughs> want to do this. And so I, I didn't go to Hood Slam for a long time. And then um, I stopped wrestling for a little bit and I got divorced and I was ready to like be like, you know what, I should get back into wrestling and without saying these words specifically, Sheik basically was like, hey, we're doing a video game theme show. Come and be Link from Legend of Zelda. And I'm never going to ask you again if you'll be on Hood Slam. And I was like, yes, I'll do it. And so that's where it started. I, I did Link and it got such a big reaction from the crowd that, they, that Sheik was just like, all right, just keep being Link. Like, just keep doing this gimmick. And that's how I got there. And I'm very I wish I had gotten there sooner, but I just mentally wasn't prepared to like be in a hood slam atmosphere at the time.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, uh I'm sure you know it didn't hurt the two of you connecting since you're both super into, you know, geeky culture as well. <laughs> That's very fair. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh is that why she asked for you to be Because she knew that you were obsessed with Legend of Zelda.
1: <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, I mean I had I had already had a Legend of Zelda tattoo and was a big Zelda fan and so yeah, she was just like, "Hey, come and do like it was just to be like, come and do this. I'm taking away all your excuses." So it's not like you didn't know if you could be on the show. It's not like, "Oh, well what would I do?" She was just like, "Come here, do this. Shut up." <laughs> so I was just like, "Okay, I'll do that." That's what I'll do. And, you know, the rest is as history, as they say.
0: And had that, that actually been your first time being at a Hood Slam show entirely? No, I went because okay.
1: um, I, had, I had reached out to Sam at one point, like when I was kind of thinking of going back and I let her know, like, hey, I'm thinking about coming back to wrestling. You know, what's up with Hood Slam? And she was very straightforward of like, you've never been to a Hood Slam come see a hood slam sh- like come and support my fucking show before i put you on it asshole yeah and i was like yeah that makes sense and so yeah the first time i went and saw a hood slam it was crazy because i'd been to a lot of independent wrestling shows and like they all kind of have the same feel it feels like home i've been doing it for years and then i went to hood slam and it was just different it had a different vibe a different feel like There was actual lighting. The lights were low. There was just, like, smoke wafting through the arena. And it was just like, this is not an independent wrestling show. Like, this is crazy. And then it started. And, like, yeah, it just, the whole thing just felt like something special. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just felt different, special, and something that I was just like, I really want to be a part of this. Like, this is is lightning in a bottle. And I don't know how we got here, but this is amazing.
0: And how did that style of wrestling show, how did, you know, your style going into it, how was that like clash? Like, did that clash at all for you?
1: Um, It, it did, but it was also like on my brain because like, I, I started off my, my stint in like the entertainment field as like an actor. I did theater since I was seven years old up until like, I don't know, a couple years ago. So that's, That's where like my brain worked was just like character and dialogue and how to be an actor, uh, a stage actor. And so when I got there and I was like, all right, I'm going to be Link. Link doesn't doesn't wrestle. So I have to do these specific things like my moveset is only things that Link would do. And so like it really, I don't know, kind of pigeonholed me into like this, like, all right, so I can do like a spin attack. And I'll do like the backflip and I'll do stri- like axe handles because he has a sword. And uh, yeah. And then eventually like started being like, all right, now let's be Link as a wrestler. And then started to incorporate my other like how I normally wrestled into it. And I think it really helped me because it allowed me to get rid of a lot of the garbage that I was doing just because like I'm a wrestler and I do this garbage. got uh, like get your shit activity- in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> Finding that happy medium um really helped like wrestling anywhere else because it was just like oh man i don't have to do all this bullshit that I was doing because I thought like this is how you pop a wrestling crowd and I was like, no, don't play to the wrestling crowd, play to a crowd, and yeah, Hood Slam and like reworking my offense definitely helped me uh be able to get over at a wrestling show, whereas before I was trying to get over at a wrestling show
0: yeah i like I like that uh. That it kind of happened twice in, in very like seminal moments of your career. Like you said in the beginning, you know, being forcing yourself to work around restrictions such as uh, having a feud with someone much bigger than you. So you're forced to only do this. Then you're like, okay, well, now I'm going to be linked. So now I'm forced to only do this. Yes. And you're like, so I like how your brain works. How you're like, <laughs> okay, you're like, okay, hold on. Let me just strip away all the other shit. Let me just do this and then work build out from there. That's, yeah.
1: I think the nice thing about like my mentality and my lack of self-esteem <laughs> is that I never think that I'm doing anything like correctly. So I have no problem being like, this is how I've always done it. Ah, it was probably fucking terrible anyway. How do we... <laughs> Let's start over. Um, and yeah, that's, that's been very helpful for me of just, you know, not taking what I do to be like the be all end all. Like I know I could be better. And better might mean like completely different. So I'm never afraid to just be like, all right, well, I'm not going to do any of that anymore.
0: (laughs) And uh, so that kind of, you know, it it is a nice, humble attitude to have. However, wrestling is very like strong personality wise, especially when it comes to like the social aspect of it. So what's that? So what's that like when you're kind of have a little bit more of an easygoing attitude and you're in locker rooms at at various independent shows with people who are not as uh (laughs) as nice basically
1: sure um i mean at hood slam specifically which is obviously much later in my career like it's so fucking chill like everyone is just there because they want to be there no one is trying to be the star of hood slam hood slam's the star of hood slam like the show is the star of hood slam so that i mean just being there is the best it's just the fucking best. (laughs) Um, But earlier on in my career, it was like, you know, I wasn't that guy that was trying, like, I know this is called the indie handshake, but the indie handshake was, I hated it. I hated like having to be like, you got to shake everyone's hand. Be like, I don't talk to anybody. People are the worst. Um,
0: We always just thought it was really funny. Like we would always just laugh at like these giant muscle bound guys being like, Hello, how's it going? <laughs> like yeah. this tiny little hand, just like, oh, oh, hello. I, I forgot. There's someone we used to, I think like Donovan Morgan used to, it, it was literally like, like it was like the tips of his fingers. Like it was so, like, I forgot who it was, but it was just made us laugh. Like it was like, it was so strange.
1: Yeah, man. Coach Nugs would like give you just like a finger, He'd be like, what's up, cuzzy? And you're just like, what? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. um But yeah, I don't know. Like you get, you get assholes and you get like people that just crave that attention. And my personality type, I took a personality test and found out my personality type is adventurer. So, um, so basically like if I, if someone gives me an op, like right now, if someone gives me an opportunity to like speak, I could do that all day. I can, I don't have a fear of public speaking. I, I don't have a fear of the spotlight. But when it's not my turn for the spotlight, I'm not trying to grab it. So in a locker room, I'm just going to sit off to the side and, you know, talk to the people that I already know. I'm not out there trying to, like, make friends and, like, cause waves and, like, talk to the promoter and be like, this is why I need to politic my way into getting a belt. I'm just like, I'm just happy to be here. Don't talk to me. I got to (laughs) wrestle. So um, I never had an issue with anybody because I kept to myself for the most part. Um, but it also didn't help me like get outside bookings because I kept to myself so much that no one was just like, Hey, you know who I really like? that fucking Anton kid. Like, no, everyone's just like, Oh, right. Him. Yeah. I remember him sitting by himself, (laughs) putting his gear on like way too early. So, um, it wasn't bad because I didn't have heat with anybody, but at the same time, like, yeah, no one was just like, I fucking love this guy and we have to put him on our show.
0: So, how did you uh, morph your Link character from being just the basis of the of the video game to like what it is now?
1: Um, it, it through the caution, <laughs> the, doing the caution, because um, basically, like, once I, once Link got over at Hood Slam, and I realized like there's only, there's, I got like four moves and I can't put on a bunch of hood slam matches with four moves. So I started expanding it slowly and trying to make sure that like, they still made sense with the, the link character. And then at the same time we started doing the caution and that was getting over like, as being like a comedy thing. And so at some point I was just like, all right, Link's going to start being a little silly. Like, because the Anton character is kind of a fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, And so that just slowly, like, kept getting sillier and sillier until at some point I was just like, there is no difference between these two characters other than, like, I dress as Link for one and I don't for the other. And then at Hood Slam, we just, like, decided to drop the Link character so that the caution could actually, like, be at Hood Slam um, because it was just, like, anywhere else until this point and then it was just like all right swerve my name's been anton vorhees this whole time i'm a great actor that's why you thought i was link because i was playing the character so well and yeah then it was just like anton and link are just basically the same person
0: when you're when you're doing this kind of thing at hood slam and you're and you're you put on these these grandiose shows what do you think in your opinion because you know it is it, hood slam is Sheik's baby, but in your opinion, what do you where do you see hood slam going? What is the next step for hood slam? Uh, to right now in
1: this time, that's a really hard question. Yeah, to
0: I, I guess this is like with the caveat of like, you know, there's a vaccine, lives are saved, and 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 shows are regular again. I guess.
1: Yeah, um, it's hard because like we were, you know, we were weekly before the pandemic and we were doing multiple different shows we had two hood slam shows a month plus the glam show plus the the basically the cosplay show sexy good time wrestle show and so like we had a bunch of different avenues we could go down um but i think our main goal was to be like hey you know how we're putting this out for free on twitch maybe we should start doing, like, more pay-per-view type of things to hopefully get us out there further than just, like, people that happen to hear about us word of mouth to go and watch us on Twitch. Um, I, I mean, we kind of started traveling a little bit. We did a Vegas show. We mm-hmm. started, like, officially doing, like, Hood Slam travels to wrestling, pro wrestling down south, and, like, being like, hey, we're Hood Slam. But we're taking over. Invasion. Um, so I think just like slowly expanding out was kind of the plan and hopefully that, you know, we can start doing that again. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's hard, it's hard to say cause who knows when wrestling's even going to be like, you know,
0: legal again. <laughs> yeah. And it's, okay, that's actually a good thing to talk about. So for someone who took a break, came back in, the bug got you again and yeah. got you back into wrestling you know now you're you have this whole new character everything's great now covid happens yeah like what's your mindset now where it's like like this time i didn't plan to take a break this time the break is just happening
1: so the sh- the shittiest thing about uh this pandemic for me personally um is that a year ago today not today a year ago a week from today um i broke my wrist in a match and so i I had to stop wrestling last November, but was still able to host Glam and occasionally host the Sexy Good Time Wrestle Show. So I was still like, you know, still making my face seen and just like getting to perform. And then the shutdown happened. And I was like, no, now I have nothing. Um, and so, like, the hardest part about it is like, I broke my wrist and was like, all right, my comeback needs to be big, my comeback's gonna be special. And now my comeback is everyone's comeback. And it's just like, ah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Now now I can't be like, I'm back. Because everyone, we're all back. Like, so um, I think that's like something that I'm trying to figure out is how do I still make an impact that I feel is significant enough? Because I don't want to just come back with everybody. I want, selfishly, I want my comeback to be something that, you know, makes me feel like sitting at home for a year was worth it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a little rough on the mindset of just like sitting around, but, um, at the same time, not rough enough, I guess, because there are wrestling shows, you know, my buddy D rogue's getting out there and, uh, my pal juicy's getting out there and wrestling. And like a part of me is like, man, I'm, I'm a little jealous. You guys are getting on shows. And D rogue's like, Oh, do you want to get on a show? And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not that jealous. I don't want to go right now. (laughs) But I wish shows were happening all over the place. And I, I can't wait to get back in the ring and kind of reinvent myself again, probably. Like, figure out how to make the character that I had even more meaningful.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, you know, we're in California. So for us, like, there's just, there's nothing. There's nothing going on. But like, you, then you look at like GCW and a bunch of stuff is like running and yeah, I kind of get that thing where I'm like, like, cause I work for an airline. So mm-hmm. I can fly to any one of these places sure. pretty cheaply, yeah. but I'm like, ah, uh, like <laughs> I just, I, I get like the idea where I'm like. Even like, like okay, so for instance, like Joey Janela, he missed out on an AEW uh, Dynamite he was supposed to be on because someone at a GCW show had COVID and they yeah. had to contact Trace. And he was like, well, can't make it to Dynamite because of this. And it's like, so I get that they're trying to make it as safe as possible. And, you know, Sheik, Sheik just went to, you know, the one over there. And yeah. I get they're trying to make it safe as possible. It's just, it, it's, so I'm not like pro or against it as of now. I'm more like just think like trying to think like, how safe can they make it? Like that's sure. so it's I don't know it's it's a weird like push and pull I have in my brain.
1: Yeah, and I feel that like um, you know, it, it, I'm I'm back in the ring. I'm I'm over at uh, Stoner U with the the Stoner brothers, and you know, there's training going on. It's like that's cool, and then every once in a while, like someone new shows up, and they're just like, "Hey, can I get some ring time?" And it's like, "Yeah, of course." Eh, but are <laughs> you? Who have you been around? Ah, yeah. is, we, ah, I don't like it. Um, Cause you don't want to say no, but at the same time, you're just like, I don't know. Are you sick? We had a little pod here. You're
0: breaking in. Do you think now uh, when you do work other shows or when you did work other shows, I guess I'd say everything's going to be past tense now uh, <laughs> when you did work other shows, was there any switch you had to make? Like, you know, if you're working in East Bay pro show, like are you changing who, how you're wrestling or what you're doing from when you're doing hood slam? <laughs> Uh, no,
1: but I should've. <laughs> um, there were a lot of, of matches, like looking back at, uh, when Ian and I were tagging, like where we just wrestled like it was a hood slam and the crowd at East Bay is like enjoying it. But at the same time, they're like yelling at the referee. Cause there's four people just beating the crap out of each other for like elongated periods of time. It's like, get control ref. And the ref's just like, the, I, they're not listening to me. Like we've <laughs> definitely made referees look bad because we just were like, yeah, this is how we wrestle. Especially if it's like me and Ian against, you know, Matt Carlos and Joe to soul who wrestle as Ken and Ryu, who we've wrestled oh, yeah. a thousand times. Like we're just like, Hey, let's just do our greatest hits from all of our matches in this match. And then it's just chaos for a referee. So, but at like, that
0: point, you're just like four kids in a classroom that are all friends who are just egging each other on. You're just like, well, now we're going to do
1: this. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it, ref? Obviously nothing. Um, the funniest thing about like a hood slam style is uh, the, the caution got booked against uh, the Honor Society, Sir Samurai and Drake Frost. And when I, when I was told that this was the match, I was like, in my head, I was like, this is going to be ridiculous. Like, Sir Samurai is silly. Me and Shane are silly. So you're going to put us in a match. This is going to be a silly match. And we came up with a bunch of dumb ideas. Like, my philosophy on wrestling has now become like, not like, how do we steal the show? It's been like, hey, is this too stupid? Like, that's my question. I say that when I'm planning a spot like out loud so many times just like hey is this too dumb like um but yeah the match ended up like we're like we're yelling at each other so Samurai and I are just like not wrestling just yelling and pointing and like flipping out and then like I'm just like you know what. I'm not even going to wrestle you. And like, I go and get some tape and I tape across the ring. And I'm like, this is my side of the ring and you can't come over here. And he's like, oh yeah. And he takes the tape and he makes like, now we have like a cross in the ring. He's like, well now this is my side. And then like someone calls like the floor is lava. So now we're only on the tape. And uh, anyway, we have like a lava match where we're trying to wrestle each other on these two lines. And the crowd shit their pants. Like they loved this shit. They're just like, this is so fucking stupid, but they were all in on it. Um, and then afterwards the promoter was just like, I didn't like that. I thought I booked the caution versus the honor society for like a hard hitting good match. And I'm just like, why, why, why why did you think anything besides what we did was going to happen? And like, after that, like there was a rule at the company no lava matches. Like,
0: That's a specific cr- rule. <laughs>
1: and the crowd would chant lava match every time we would come out. And it's just like, sorry, we can't, we don't like fun here, everybody. So.
0: I never understood, like, the people that fight against something that's over. Yeah. Like, but- I, I don't, I, I mean, like, it happens all the time now with, like, the old school guys, like, who shit on, you know, guys like Orange Cassidy. Sure. But it's like, bullshit It's bullshit well it's over
1: yeah
0: have you talked to any old school super carny professional wrestling guy he'll say all that matters is what's over and that's yeah. like if it works it works yeah like sorry I mean, that your shit's not getting over but like hey what are you gonna do but so have you gotten any like you know wrestlers are Wrestlers are like are, are like anyone else. Like some people will say shit behind your back, and some people will say shit to your face. Has uh, anyone been like, what is this bullshit you guys are doing?
1: Um, not not to my face. Like, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that hate hood slam, thinks that it's garbage and silly, and we're making a bad name for wrestling. And I've gotten to a point where if people want to say like hood slam doesn't count, hood slam's not professional wrestling, I'm like, okay call, call us something else. Like that's fine. You could just say that's hood slam. That's not professional wrestling. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to keep doing hood slam and people are going to like it. Like, that's fine with me. Um, but yeah, no one's ever like come up to me and been like, Hey, you're doing awful shit. Like I've, you know, that promoter told me like that match was too hood slam, which I'm just like, it was the honor society, man. Like they're not hood slam. Like they went along with it, so they didn't think it was too hood slam. Um, but yeah, no one, no one comes up to me to to say like what what we're doing is garbage or what hood slam's doing is garbage or anything like that. Uh, I just know that there's a lot of people that just think that what we do doesn't count. Just like oh yeah, they have really big crowds, but that doesn't count we have 200 people we put on a good show. They had 800 people, but that doesn't count because <laughs> it's not wrestling and that's fine. Everybody, everybody wants to feel superior. And if that's what makes someone feel superior, like, well, they don't count. So we're better. I'm fine with that.
0: And I'm I'm going to venture just a guess that the amount of people who say this, um, chances are they've seen clips, they've seen some gifts and they've seen mm-hmm. some pictures but I highly doubt they've ever actually sat and watched like a couple matches in a row of a hood slam show.
1: Yeah. And like, (laughs) you know how there's those like really, those really cool people that, you know, go online and write their opinions and give matches like star ratings and stuff. Mm. Uh, I've definitely seen that for hood slam and like, and they don't like it. They're just like, this isn't what I want from wrestling. Like they go in with the attitude of like, I know I'm going to hate this. And then they, you know, prove themselves right. And they're just like, yeah, this is dumb. Ah, I hate this. (laughs) They threw invisible fireballs as Ryu and Ken. That's so stupid. Um, And that's fine. Like you can't please, uh, you can't please most wrestling fans. I think so. That's definitely true. So we, we don't cater to wrestling fans. We cater to people that just want to see something and be like, this is insanity. That's that's all we want. Like and we're going to get some wrestling fans, we're going to get some deathmatch fans, we're going to get some fans of just like cartoons and nonsense and that's fine. Like we'll take this hodgepodge of of people and say like these are our hood slam fans. Um so I'm 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 very content with like anyone that says hood slam doesn't count. It's just like that's fine.
0: We don't yeah, have Yeah, I- I wish I wish people would look at wrestling the same way they look at other media like movies or music or anything, because, you know, like, like, I okay, like take any like horrible, like butt rocky, horrible thing that I just hate. Like like give me like a five finger death punch. I'm just like, like, get it out of my face. I don't like this shit. Uh So for me, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm going to check out their music video. I don't like this. I know I don't like this. (laughs) You know, I don't. I don't like this kind of music. Yeah. Why would I review it? Why yeah. would I look at it? Why would I try to judge it and compare it to the things I do like? You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. I don't go into a movie genre that I don't like and be mm-hmm. like, "Well, this." You know, I don't like Hallmark movies. Should I sit there and try to judge them alongside The Godfather and be like, "Well, obviously the plot holes were." Like, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> I that that to me, like, it bugs me that people do that with wrestling because they make, like you said, they make it seem like. Well, no. I have this very specific window of what's silly, what's not too silly. You know, that's okay. That's not. I mentioned it on here before. You know, cornets, Mister. Like, well, this is silly. This is dumb. You carried a tennis racket, bro. Like, you, you, you know, it's. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. Sure, we've all done silly things. This is silly. This is silly. The WWE had the Undertaker shooting lightning from his hands. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason, that was fine. <laughs> but I don't know. To me, that, I, like I said, I just wish people would, would treat it like the buffet that it is. That's mm-hmm. what I love about wrestling. You know, I love watching two strong style Japanese dudes forearming the shit out of each other and watching sweat come off. And I sure. also like watching a spot fest where Jack Evans does, you know, a 620 in lens, you know, on top of his head, on top of someone's chest. I like watching all kinds of shit. I don't understand why we can't just all enjoy everything. And yeah, that has been huh. your PSA from Paul as I've gone on for far too fucking long.
1: I mean I'm all for everyone having an opinion And like I'm never going to tell someone that their Opinion is wrong like if someone Tells me hood slam sucks I'll just be like I'm You know that's how you Feel and that's fine with me that doesn't hurt My feelings and I don't think
0: that you're A bad person for thinking that What I do sucks like it's Not for everybody I think people Need to learn how to how to say that's not For me
1: yeah there you go
0: that's it That's that's not for me that's Not for me but with that, brother, the booker has ran out. They said it's time to take it home. So I have a nice list of questions here to end the podcast. Uh, take as long as you want. There is no, you know, hard rules here. Yeah. But let's start off with any favorite road stories. Oh, man.
1: I, I have a few, but I'll, I'll try to, like, I'll try to figure out which one I want. Okay. So one thing I want to say, um, it's not a great road story, so I'll tell another one, but Uh, There was a trip where Sheik and I flew down to wrestling, pro wrestling, wrestled, and then we met up with Serial Man and we drove from L.A. to Party Hard in Arizona. And this is not hyperbole. This is not me blowing smoke. This is me saying, we literally talked about Boone sweet Boone the entire like (laughs) six hour trip. Like I don't know how it started but we just we talked about Boone and his wrestling and his character and where he's going and the entire trip was just uh, like no pauses no like ah. it was just constant like yeah Boone yeah yeah I love Boone (laughs) Yeah, so that that was one. Um, I think my favorite road story was my second trip up to B.A.W., which was also my last trip to B.A.W. because they stopped running shows after that. Um, On our way back home, we went through like a drive-through safari, like a zoo where you stay in your car Mm -hmm. and you drive around. And so... We're there and we got Hellfire in the front seat driving and Sean Sims in the passenger seat um, and like me and Derevko in the back. And we get to a place where there's like ostriches or emus. I don't remember which one it is, but we're, we're driving along and then like we see, let's say it was an ostrich. We see an ostrich like walking over to the car and everyone has their windows down. And this ostrich is just like coming up to the car and it's got its mouth open and it's just staring at Sean Sims. And Sims is just like, hey, this thing's getting close. And Hellfire locks the windows. And <laughs> Sims is like, hey, hey. <laughs> 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 it's crawling into Hellfire's lap as this thing just is creeping with its mouth open the whole time, just coming at him. And then we drove away. So yeah, that was, that's probably my favorite thing that's happened on the road.
0: That's incredible. Oh, I love that. Uh, I always say on here that I consider wrestling to be a very creative thing besides being very physical, uh, besides wrestling, what is your creative outlet?
1: Um, yeah, I had to figure that. I
0: had to figure that out.
1: Um, it, it was acting, but after a while, I just like wrestling takes its toll on you. Like you're, you're you're bumping, you're getting hurt. There's the politics, like everything about it. But hopefully at the end of the day, you still love wrestling enough to be like, this is worth it to me. Um, Theater, I started getting into a place where I I was with really talented people. And it got to a point where their talent level was way bigger than mine like these are people that went to school for acting and singing and these people are all like playing piano by sight and just like being like oh what are my notes this 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 and i'm just like oh man you guys are way better than me (laughs) and just putting in the the time to like learn like dancing which i suck at or like learning like really complicated harmonies and just like the effort that I was putting in and how much time it was taking away from wrestling and from like my girlfriend and whatnot. It just got to a point where I was like, this isn't worth it to me anymore. Like this is too hard and I don't feel rewarded because I always want to get better, but I also don't want to just like go to, you know, learn how to sing at, you know, 37 years old. I don't, I I don't have that in me. So yeah, I really had to figure out like, what is my new passion? And I decided that I was going to try to get into making videos. And so I got into video editing and trying to like write scripts and stuff like that. And so I made a little YouTube series and that definitely kept me, um, it kept me happy. It, It helped me release whatever that thing is that sits in my heart when I haven't performed in a long time. Um, So yeah, I guess uh, just performing in general, it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be wrestling, but I need to be performing and entertaining people
0: in any way, shape or form. I know know what you mean about like, there's a certain discipline that comes with practicing something over and 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 over again, where you're like, in order to be really great at this like i play guitar i've always played guitar but i've never been the type who could sit there and practice runs and scales for hours on end i just can't Mm -hmm. my brain just won't let me do it i shut down immediately i'm like no this is uh, is boring i don't like this so like i do like singer songwriting stuff because to me i'd much rather sit there and spend hours thinking of a melody than sitting there doing that and meanwhile i have friends who you'll give them any instrument Mm-hmm. And within a couple of days, they're like, well, I know how to do this on it now. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how? <laughs> and I'm just like, your brain oh, there, is you. wired differently than mine. I don't understand that. You know? No,
1: I, yeah, I, I definitely feel that where it's just like, yeah, I mean, and I got that way with, with dance and theater. Like, someone would just be like, oh, do this thing. And I'm like, I know I'm physically capable of doing this. I can do some crazy things with my body, but I don't understand how you're doing this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just hard. So different.
0: What is your favorite move or hold that you do not
1: use? My favorite move or hold that I don't use. Um ah man that I don't use ever. Let's say ever. Um probably like a I'm going to say a cradle pile driver. That Jerry Lynn cradle <laughs> pile driver. Um I I did it like twice as Mortal Kombat characters. For some reason in my head I was like Scorpion would do a cradle <laughs> pile driver, but yeah, it's a move I've always liked, and just like was like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to ask people like, hey, can I give you a pile driver? Like, I'm not a big fan of asking people to do moves that I think they might say no to. I'm just like, hey, I'm gonna give you an insegurity. No one's gonna say no to that. But if I'm just like, hey, trust me to drop you on top of your head, it's like, nah, I just skip
0: that move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your craziest, or just some crazy fan interactions you've had? Um,
1: the first one that jumps to mind is uh, during the America's Most Hated days, uh, Sheik Derevko and I were cutting a promo in the ring and this old man who was probably like an, uh, a veteran of some kind just, like, stands up and charges at the ring. It's just like, this is America! If you don't like it, you can leave. Oh, dear. And, and like, there's a, there's a picture of us, like, looking down at this old man, and Sims is, like, holding him back. And you could see on my face the exact question going through my mind of just, like, do I have to fight this old man? <laughs> like, Am I going to fist fight this old man right now? <laughs> um... And it's great because like Sims is like, sir, you need to calm down. And this, this old guy just grabs Sims by the throat and Sims just like, hey, <laughs> no, go sit down. Wow. But so fast went from like, excuse me, sir, you need to sit down to just like, don't fucking touch me, old man. <laughs> I'm going to fight you now.
0: Holy crap. I love that. That's damn. Uh, besides hurting you, What's the worst thing someone could do when you're working with them in a match?
1: Um, besides hurting me, um, put their finger in my ear. I had someone that did a wet willy spot, and I legit got so fucking mad. I was like, <laughs> we didn't talk about this shit. That is gross. I hate you. Put your finger in my ear. I know where your finger's been. It's been on this mat where my feet are. Like, don't put that in my ear, man.
0: Wet willies are disgusting. I
1: hate them. I, oh man, I hate them. I hate wet willies.
0: But uh but then like the other part of my brain is like like just picturing like someone in the back sitting there, like kicking their boots off. Fuck. someone comes up, dude, what's going on? Fucking got heat, man. Well what do he do? Fucking wet willy, man. It's Fucking put <laughs> in my ear. <laughs> it's gross. Bullshit. Uh When's uh, a time that you were legitimately surprised by a worker in the ring? Ah, oh, I like that
1: question. Uh,
0: legitimately surprised by a worker.
1: Um. Oh, so uh, Pong, the pissed off nerdy gamer, uh, formerly known as Arcade. Um, he wrestled a match with Charlie Chaplin, who is Hood Slam's invisible wrestler. Um, And he he used to like breakdance and stuff. Like he's, he he knows how to like move his body and manipulate himself. And he's also very Jim Carrey-esque in like his comedy style and like how he can contort himself. And it was amazing to watch him fight Charlie Chaplin. And I specifically remember like him being down. He might've been Johnny Cage at the time, but it was, you know, still the same human being. (laughs) And just like seeing him lay there and just like, put his arm around Charlie and like be dragged up to his feet when like such a realistic, like this looks like they have wires, like picking him up off the ground. Like it was just, it was like, yeah, it was awe-inspiring to just be like, I believe he's wrestling an invisible Pearson right now. (laughs) He's manipulating his body in a way that I'm just like, yeah, someone lifted him off the ground. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's the first one that jumps out to mind.
0: Has a booker tried to stiff you on money? And if so, what are some fun excuses they have given in order to do so?
1: Um, That second and last time I went to BAW, I didn't get paid. And like, that was just like hellfire being like, yeah, we didn't get paid. And I was like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) I just left. Um, I can't really think of another time where someone stiffed me. I've been pretty good about like making sure that I got my money. There was a time where I specifically didn't get stiffed on money and it was outstanding. Uh, We got Shane, Ian and I got booked against the uh, suburban commandos, the stoner brothers. And I think it was like that the stoners got, got booked. And then they were like, who do you want to wrestle? And they're like, we want to wrestle the caution. So that's how we got booked. And when it came time for everyone to get their money, um, you know, they, they were like, oh yeah, uh, you know, superman commandos like come and get paid. And like, both of them were just like, all right guys, come on with us. And we're like, no, they talked to you. Like, no, you're coming. Like you're coming with us because you're getting paid. <laughs> like They weren't, they didn't leave any room for us to get stiffed or like gypped on money. They're, he was just like, you're getting paid the exact same amount of money as us. And we're going to be there while it happens so that no one tries to fuck you over. And it was like, yeah, you guys are all right, <laughs> twins. Um, and now I'm like really good friends with both of them. But like at the time we weren't like super close. So it was just really cool that like they had, they were just like, yeah, this, come with us where you're getting paid. There's no yeah. question about it.
0: Uh, what's a mistake that you made in pro wrestling, but in the end it turned out being the right move.
1: Ooh, Interesting um what is what, uh like a botch or like a decision
0: or, or what? yeah like like it's just something that when it happened you were like oh i really should have done this or i should have gone with that or i should have worked there or i should have done that but then in the end you're like oh it's probably better that it didn't go that way or it did go that way just like that kind of thing
1: okay um there, there was a, uh, there was a time when I was like, so I said no to a lot of bookings because I am very introverted and just like, if I got booked and no one I knew was booked, I was just like, no, what am I going to do? That's, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. So I said no to a lot of bookings. And after a while, people stopped asking me if I wanted to work their shows And it made me think like, oh, now I need to start asking to get booked. And I never, I never did. I just didn't ask for bookings. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were just like, you have to do that. Like you have to go to shows and show up and put their ring together. And I'm like, I'm not against that, but I don't want, I don't feel comfortable asking to be put on a show. And a lot of the people that I was working with, like, were asking to be put on a show, and since they were asking, the promoter like kind of had the upper hand and was just like, "Oh, you want to be on my show? All right, I'll give you like five bucks if it's a good gate." And you know, at the time, I was like, "I should be doing this. I really should." But then I got to a point where like someone's asking me to be on a show, and I'm just like, "Oh, you want me on a show? I'm not. I'm not wrestling." for five bucks like my buddy who asked you to be on the show so it helped me kind of figure out like how to have the upper hand which then once I started being like the booker for glam I was like oh now I understand how to like negotiate how someone gets paid which sucks because I basically gave everyone what they asked for anyway (laughs) I was like yeah you want to drive up from LA you want this much money okay (laughs) sure that's fine I didn't, I, I was bad at haggling when it was me giving people money to wrestle on the show. Cause I'm just like, yeah, you're probably worth it. And if you're not, I won't book you again. That's easy. There you go.
0: Uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? Mm, what is the hardest I've,
1: oh, okay. So once again, Boone. Fucking Boone. So we're doing a match. It's me, Sheik and Boone against the Stoner Brothers and Shotzi Blackheart. And, you know, when we, when we were going over everything, we we're just like, all right, when we get to like, you know, the shotgun finishes, it's going to be like, Anton hits this. And, you know, uh, Scotty hits this. And then Sheik hits this and blah, blah, blah. And Boone was like, all right, Boone, what are you going to do? And he was like, I'm going to do a springboard X-Factor. And we're like, cool, that'll look great, Boone. This is going to go well. And so we're doing the match and we are like maybe like five minutes into the match and we're getting into like the dive out spot and Scotty's sitting in the corner and I'm about to like run and give him like an inverted cannonball. And right before I start running, Boone runs in front of me and spr- like does like the springboard and goes for this X-Factor to no one. Scotty's sitting down in the corner and he just fucking flies across the ring and just lands on the ground. And we all look at him and then we just continue this. <laughs> and afterwards we're like, what are you doing? He's like, I thought it was the X factor spot. And it's just like, who were you doing it to man? <laughs> like, yeah, that, that was, a, that's, that is the magic of Boone. And that is why we talked about Boone for like five hours straight is because, You never know what's going to happen with that guy. Anything can happen.
0: Uh, You see a lot of gimmicks when you're working different indie shows. What's the worst gimmick you've seen?
1: Uh, So I'll give you a lame answer and hopefully I'll think of a a good answer. But the lamest answer is just like wrestler guy. There's so many people that are just like, yeah, I wear tights and I'm wrestle and I'm going to be the best wrestler. And she's like, yeah, that's fucking most people, man. Like. What's your character? Show me something more than that. Um, that's, that's my, like, honest, real answer. It's just like, I hate just wrestler guy. I got my trunks on. I'm ready to go. Cool. <laughs> Neat. But, um, like, the over-the-top type of thing, what is the worst thing that I've seen? I'm sure there's something terrible sitting in my brain somewhere. Um, I'm going to say this because I love him to death. But I'm going to say the talk of the town, uh, Joe DeSoul. And that's just his gimmick. Just like, yeah, I'm the talk of the town. And everyone's like, what does that mean? He's just like, (laughs) talk of the town. (laughs) Uh, But I love Joe DeSoul and I think he does make it work. And I think a part of it is like, what is that? Like the asking the question of what does it mean is a part of it. Because you're just like yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Fuck you. Like, it makes you want to dislike me. So I think it's kind of brilliant, but yeah, it's also just like, that's your moniker, the talk of the town and you do this. Okay.
0: I love that. Talk of the town, playing some invisible, invisible castanets.
1: Yeah. Fucking two, two Muppets just
0: having a conversation. Uh, have you worked, uh, any cards with, uh, any bigger guys, former WWE, WCW, blah, blah, or just big name indie people that, like, once again, you don't have to say any names, but people that thought they were bigger than the show, acted like they were bigger than the show, just rubbed you the wrong way, just the way they carried themselves, that kind of thing.
1: Um, so uh, I did shows with someone that wasn't a name at the time and then then became a name, but he was a piece of shit back in the day uh he rubbed me the wrong way and said some things that i was just like dude i know i'm green but ah, oh, i would kick you in your fucking mouth right now if i wasn't um and i he's a guy that i already know that you don't like because i heard your your interview with kenny k <laughs> so um oh that's good okay
0: so i already know who it is yeah there you go
1: yeah um so that guy's a piece of shit but yeah he wasn't a big name um that first show that i went to at baw like that show was crazy because it had so many fucking names on it. Um, fucking the Godfather was there. Dilo Brown was there. Uh, Molly Holly was there. New Jack was there. Uh, Kidman was there. <laughs> it was just like, this was my first show ever. And I was just like,
0: "Whoa!" now I'm seeing why they only ran a few times.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, but, uh, Spike Dudley was there and, um, I don't think he's a bad guy. And like, I find this funny. Like, I don't, I don't think he has an ego or anything, but I was, I showed up there and I was wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs Jersey. Uh, and the only reason I have it is because there is a scene in the movie chasing Amy where, uh, what, what's her name? Joey Lauren Adams has a Toronto Maple Leafs Jersey. And I was like, I like that Jersey. And I bought one. Like I don't watch hockey but I'm wearing my Toronto Maple Leafs jersey and Spike Dudley just like comes up to me and I'm like, oh shit, hi, I'm Anton. And he's just like, is that like a gimmick thing or do you actually like the the Maple Leafs? And I was like, oh no, it's not like, it's not, like my gimmick. And he's just like, you're a fucking idiot. And he walked away and I was just like, awesome. Nice to meet you. Um, but like, I think it was just like he hates the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs. And that's fine because I don't I don't fucking care. But yeah, that's the story that sticks out of just someone being a dick. Um, but I, maybe maybe he's a nice guy. I don't know. I I hold no ill will toward him. I just think that's really funny that he's just like you're a uh, fucking idiot. <laughs> I was like, huh. thanks.
0: Nice to meet you. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, you just know the conversation's not going to go well. The beginnings like, so what is that like a gimmick? And you're like, oh god, what is this going to be?
1: What's <laughs> <laughs> the right answer? Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: Uh, and I'll finish off with this one. I call it the, the touchy-feely question of the podcast. What is your pure joy in wrestling? Something before, during, or after the match that you get goosebumps? You go, this is why I fucking love this business. This is why I love wrestling. <sighs>
1: um, are you familiar with Bo Burnham? Yes. comedian. Um, So in one of his specials, sorry, this is a really weird tangent, but I promise I'll bring it back. I love it. Um, in one of his specials, He ends it by doing this, like, Kanye West style, like, it's not a song, but he's got auto-tune on his voice, and there's music behind him, and he's speaking as if it's a song, but it doesn't rhyme, and he's just saying random shit, and it doesn't make any sense. He's just, like, he's talking about Pringles, and, like, how you can't put your hand in a Pringles can. Like, this is what this is mostly about. So it's just silly nonsense, and then... Every once in a while, he'll interject some actual truth of just being like, you know, I my brain's kind of fucked up and I, I feel very insecure at times. And a lot of people think that I, I have my shit together and I don't. But that's like really sparsely interjected into complaining about a Pringles can not being big enough to put your hand inside. And it just builds and builds and builds and gets like more intense, but silly, but kind of honest, but mostly silly. And then at the end, the music just stops and he just goes like, thank you. And like that, that last little thing, like I watched that and I was like, I, this moment, that moment of just like where you, it doesn't matter what it was that you said or what it was that you did, but you know, like, That was everything that I just had. I just gave you everything. It's out of me and I'm done. Like that moment in wrestling where you maybe it's a promo. I've definitely cut some promos where like I just felt emotionally and physically and mentally spent at the end of it and just been like, oh, I got all of that out. I didn't even know I had this in me, but now that it's out, I feel fucking great. Um, I've had that after matches, I've had it after promos, and that's the moment as a performer that I live for, is to just get this shit out of me that I don't know any other way to get out of me. Talking about it, having a therapist, none of that shit has ever gotten something out of me the way that performing has been able to. So that that is the thing that I live for with professional wrestling.
0: I love that answer so much. Thank you, sir, for being on the show. First, put yourself over. Where can people check you out on social media, buy shirts, any of that kind of stuff?
1: Sure. Um, I think all of my social media at this point is the word link, the number two, the word future, the letters FTF. Link to future, FTF. I'm kind of on Twitter. I suck at Twitter. I'm real bad at it. But every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, here's my Zach Morris hair. <laughs> um, so I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitch. Um, I stream some stuff once in a while. Uh, my t-shirts, hey, this is their, they're all Legend of Zelda themed. If you like a Legend of Zelda game, I probably have a t-shirt in that style. Um, you can get all that stuff at uh, the Hood Slam website, birdswillfall.com. Um Or just, you know, email dark chic. She'd love you to tell her that you want an Anton shirt. She's got them all. Um, Yeah, check out my YouTube, Um, Anton Voorhees on YouTube. I did a a whole series of stuff where I'm trying to build an interdimensional communicator. If that seems interesting to you, check it out. They're funny videos, some are sad. I cry in one of them. Uh, There's also one that's like 10 minutes of brose Joe Brody telling me how ugly my beard was. Uh, that was really fun to write. I came up with like seven minutes of insults <laughs> for myself. It was great. Uh, check it out. Uh, yeah, that's all my stuff.
0: Oh, and uh, if in case anyone who's watching or listening to this isn't familiar with your work, uh, just a couple matches that they should check out.
1: Um, So there is a there's a YouTube like video compilation. Um, I think it's. I didn't make it. Um, My buddy Alia Mia Garcia uh, made it for me. Um, And it's a, it's a whole one night tournament of just my parts in it um, set to like a music video of some song that I've never heard of before. (laughs) Um, So that's on there. I think it's called Anton Voorhees. I'm not dead yet. And it's, it's a really cool edit of three matches where basically like people are just working my arm and you just see me get beat up more and more and more. And then I end up winning the East Bay pro <laughs> championship at the end. Um, so that's really cool. Um, some of my other good, like anytime the caution wrestled the stoner brothers, that shit was always fun. Uh, the caution versus Ken and Ryu were good stuff. Um, I think somewhere is my match against Mike Matthews and Brian cage where I uh, stalling German suplex, Brian cage. I'm very proud of that because he's a big motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like any, any of my matches, uh, if you enjoy some silly wrestling and also some athletic and acrobatic wrestling, you'll probably enjoy an Anton Voorhees match. If you don't like fun, don't watch
0: my shit. And we're going to leave it on that. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah.